Thank you for tuning in to this message from Kingdom Airs International, headquarters located in Flagstaff, Arizona. Um, but tonight we, def- we have a really special treat. So you guys know that our services are broken up into every Friday night we have a different focus. And um, tonight we are going to be focusing on heaven awareness, which is our most like unconventional service of the month, right? Like everything else is pretty clear. Like you have teaching night, you have worship night. Those things are a little bit more obvious, uh, whereas heaven awareness is very spirit led and whatever he's doing at the time is how we are led for those services. And so tonight is going to look different even than what we've been doing with heaven awareness nights up until this point. Normally, our heaven awareness nights look like kind of like corporate led encounters or encountering the spirit, being able to... Um, just walk through some things, let him speak to some things, even individually. Sometimes it's like personal ministry, um, especially because our heaven awareness comes right after teaching. So sometimes bombs can get dropped, right, on teaching night, and then we need a week to like, okay, I'm going to have to like sit in that. And uh, as a family, that's what's so powerful about our family is we do those kinds of things together. And so tonight, though, We are shifting a little bit in the sense of um, because next week we're going to be honoring graduates. Tonight we're going to do kind of a combined heaven awareness and family night, um, which means it's more discussionary. So if there's questions, if there's um, if you want to know more about something that you're free to raise your hand, you're free to ask questions um, that it's not just a like encountering the spirit like we normally do for heaven awareness but we are going to become more aware of heaven tonight (laughs) which is the goal right (laughs) that's always the goal and uh, we've been diving so much into um, last week we talk about Shavuot and we talk about the feasts do you guys remember that Yes, it was a week ago, but kind of feels like it may have been a month ago. <laughs> uh, but that wasn't the first time. We've been talking about the, the traditions, you could say, of the kingdom of God and how he has traditions established and feasts established for a purpose and an intent. And he says to never forsake those, no matter how many generations have gone by, no matter how far down the road we are, that we're not to forsake his traditions, his uh, appointments times, right? The high holy feast, that those are things that as his family, as his people, that we, that we honor those things. And the more that we honor his ways, the more that he has, um, the more we're immersed in his culture and immersed in his, uh, in everything that he is. So with that culture, though, and with those feasts, or should I say, with those feasts, with the kingdom of Yahweh, there is a culture. And that culture of God looks a certain way, right? Like, how many of us have grown up in cultures? Like, each, each of our family has dynamics. They have certain cultures. We have a way of doing things. There's good and bad, right, that we grow up with that are, we're just accustomed to or we're accustomed to certain things in life, in the world, in, in our relationships that are good and bad. Like we all come from different backgrounds. 
And so just like our own individual families, Yahweh has a culture as well and has a way of doing things and a way of talking, a way of speaking, a way of feeling. There's a move of the spirit in him that's, that is specific to the kingdom of Yahweh. Like he has a kingdom, right? Like that's a, that's like a, a solidified thing, just like America has a culture, just like anywhere else would have a culture. Not that it's the same in that way, but we can understand or relate that there's a culture to the kingdom of God. And that is an aspect of becoming aware of heaven, that we can become aware of that culture on earth. We can become aware of how he talks, of how he moves, of how he leads, of just how we're supposed to communicate together. Like, do you remember when you were like a kid and you went to a friend's house and all of a sudden they like did things that were weird? <laughs> like, we don't heat hot dogs up in the microwave, that's disgusting. I'm sure we've all had stories, right? Or when you got married, like, oh, you don't leave the water on for hours. You turn it off. <laughs> huh, Gabriel? <laughs> that was not an issue ever. <laughs> that, <laughs> that there's a way that we grew up and we don't even realize it. You don't realize what you're in until you see something that's different. Like you don't realize how weird you are or how weird they are until you're exposed because your culture is what it is, right? You didn't really know how weird your family was until someone else came and watched you guys, right? Like your relationship with your brother is weird, <laughs> right? So we don't know how immersed in a world that we are until we get exposed to his culture, that he has a culture. He has a feeling just like that. Feel. Think of your favorite relative, like think of like a grandma or an auntie or someone that you just, when you go to their house, it's like, man, you can ask for whatever you want, right? where you walk in and it is like, you're, you're it. <laughs> you're the center of attention. You like that kind of feeling that comes in your heart. Well, there's a feeling to the house of Yahweh. There's a feeling to his family. There's a feeling of when we come together, that is culture, that's tradition, that's love language. That's how you talk. That's how you embrace that it's that as Americans or as Westerners, we have grown up with ways of doing things in church that you're not supposed to pray for a man if you're a woman. You're not supposed to hug. You're definitely not supposed to kiss, right? You're definitely not supposed to like know each other outside of Sunday from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. <laughs> Whereas he has a, there's, there's a whole tradition, a whole culture that produces his life. It produces his mind. It produces his ways. That there's a purpose behind that culture. It's not just everything we've been diving into about feasts and about those traditions and about keeping those things. It's been real, like, I mean, last week was all teaching, right? That was like you were in school. Well, <laughs> there's a whole... Um, 
a whole feeling and culture around that feast that helps keep our minds right, that there's purpose as to it. It's not just, it's like, um, it's like if we were to have like vows, but not have love, right? Like if you just exchange vows, well, that's a contract with your Toyota dealership. <laughs> like that you just signed off on, right? Like, I mean, a contract's a contract versus being in a covenant relationship with Yahweh, with one another, where there is a culture and a life and a mindset and ways that back up why we do that. So tonight is different because rather than just um, having like an encounter where we pray or where we engage in the spirit or we're, we're more um, activated in that way, tonight we're gonna talk more about like, what is the culture of heaven? How do we like, how do I become more aware of that on earth? How do, how do we do that? And so we're going to do, we're going to have that discussion based on our apostles are going to release. Um, do we all remember that they were at their graduation last week? So if for anyone that doesn't know, our apostles have been taking a, uh, they just graduated from their first year of Hebrew school. And that schooling has changed all of our lives. <laughs> it has brought so much more awareness to the culture of Yahweh and to the nuances even of the word that are like, oh my God, I had no idea what he meant because I had no idea the context. I didn't even know that's what they were talking about. I mean, there has been so much that has come from that education and they were able to just be immersed in that culture over the weekend last weekend in that graduation and so they're um so we're going to be like talking about heaven or talking about the culture using their experiences as an example right because as westerners and as as the church you could say in what we've all known it to be we're having to like overcome a lot of what we grew up knowing or a lot of what we have heard about. Whereas what they have been experiencing is so outside of church, like it's not even relatable, right? Like it's taken our family, our this community of people years to get out of just church tradition. Whereas the experiences that they have had with, uh, with this education, with this school, with this, I'm forgetting the name, Kahal, Kahal, <laughs> is like, it's not even the same, which is so hard for us to under, like, what Yahweh's doing is detaching us from traditions of man and immersing us into what he would want for you, for us that those traditions serve a purpose and they come with a culture. And so um, using those experiences, we're just gonna give them full permission to share about what happened with graduation. I know we've all been really anxious to hear and really anxious to hear how it went, um, that this family sent well and we're excited to receive them back and receive um, just anything that's on their heart for, for what they want to share about graduation, about culture, about what they're learning. Um, and so, <clears throat> but like I said, it's kind of 
a little bit of a different night because we're kind of doing a combined like family night and uh, heaven awareness because next week we'll be honoring graduates. We're doing the barbecue. So it won't be a normal family night in the sense of like discussion. So if you do have questions while they're releasing um, that you're free to ask those. Uh, so mom and dad, if you guys wanna come up, I just wanna uh, read this one verse <clears throat> that we were talking about today. Thus says Adonai, stand in the roads and look. Ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. We were having a discussion about those ancient paths and thinking about like the, that, that Yahweh is ancient, that he is, that he has a whole, he comes with a whole culture, <laughs> like a whole family line that this family is being grafted into a family, those ancient ways, that road that's narrow and, and hard and challenging and yet the most fulfilling because it is what we're created to live in. And so um, we just release you guys to be free to share and to speak to anything and everything. Amen. Thank you, Ellen. <clears throat> Man, we don't uh-huh. we don't necessarily know how Sorry. tonight's going to go, but just to jump on to what Ellen was talking about, there's a reason why the majority of people don't dwell together, right? Because you're exposed. Your culture's exposed like what she was talking about. A lot of people would rather stay to themselves or stay within their their culture because that's the way they want to do it or that's the way they were taught. But once you start dwelling together, that's when things start getting confronted. Right? And I believe that's why in Psalm 133, Yahweh says, Blessed are the brethren who dwell together in unity, and he causes, he commands the blessings to come. And I think that's I think that's why that is, because there are few people who are willing to dwell together beyond a Sunday. Right? Like we can go Sunday to Sunday and we can go crisis to crisis because we don't have other people in our business dwelling with us, checking us, holding us accountable, having to be transparent, having to be sharpened because being sharpened is violent. Right? So just to add to that, there's a reason why a lot of people don't want to dwell. They're, they're, they'll keep it. You mentioned dwelling and they're like, you stay 10 feet away from me. Right? It's like social distancing was already a thing before coronavirus, right? In the church. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The other thing that Ellen mentioned was the word kahal. And I just want to, I just want to get at that before we even start. Because I know that sometimes, right, in your culture, right? Church is what happens when you get together and you praise and you worship God. That's church, right? We were raised in that. We know that, right? And then we've, we've looked at when in the, in the scripture, in the renewed covenant in the scripture, when it says, upon this rock, I will build my church. In the Greek, it's the word ekklesia. Okay, but to go back even further to the Hebrew, 
It's the word kahal. K-E-H-A-L. Uh-huh. So, when, <laughs> okay. So, ekklesia in the Greek means uh, uh, called out assembly. People that were called out together to legislate, right? That's where we get, you know, governmental family. We're a family who governs. And it's, it's pretty much the same when you go back to the Hebrew. There may be some other things that are added in there, but it's still the same kind of definition when you say the word kahal. And what's interesting is that there were kahals, there were community of believers who were pressing in and following Yahweh before Acts 2, before the, the first church in Acts 2. So if, if you really think about it, Acts 2 wasn't, wasn't the birth of the church because there were called out followers of the way before that. Just like when we talk about the feast and we're rehearsing in, in uh, Pesach, they were all gathered there together every year to celebrate Pesach before Yeshua. Right? It's kind of the same thing. The Kahal was, was being called out and set apart even before Acts 2 in the first church that we, we all pretty much have heard. That's what we've known, I would venture to say. So I just wanted to just kind of put that out there that we don't have to be like, wait a second, what is this Kahal thing you're talking about? Okay, we don't have to be worried about that. We're just, we're just saying church... In the, Hebrew, in the original state. We're just not using English, Greek, we're using Hebrew. So just well, to the put definition that out there. of Kahal is, is the called out ones. What gets interesting is when you start to study, well, then what identified the first Kahals? What was it that identified those first communities versus what are our communities now? That's when it starts to get interesting. And so when he's talking about how, I mean, and I don't, I don't want to necessarily get into it tonight, but even the scripture where he says, and the gates of hell will not prevail, where he was standing meant something. Because we say, oh yeah, the gates of Satan or the gates of hell. He was standing on a rock where the place behind him was called the gates of hell because it was where they had pagan worship. And so when they're speaking and when there's things that are uh, talking about and when, you're, when you start to study what the communities looked like, Kahal and what they operated in was very different than what church cop, uh, operates in. And so that is where, so the definition isn't necessarily the same called out ones or an assembly of people, but when you start to study what it was that Yeshua was involved in with the first communities or the kahals was very different than what we know of as church. And what we've been talking about as a family is that what we know of is from our forefathers, basically from Constantine forward. What we know is when religion got brought back on the scene around 200, 300 AD, and they started to write down their interpretations of what they wanted to keep in and what they didn't want to keep in. So we're like, Pasach, we have four cups that we drink from, but Constantine said there's only one cup. So all we know as a church is that there's communion. 
So we've been uh, robbed from the fullness of his cups. It's things like that, that around 200, 300 AD started to be written down. And then we grew up in a culture and just said, well, that's what church is. So therefore, Exodus 6, 6, and 7 talks about four cups, but I only understand communion, and we only do communion, that's his body and that's his blood, so then that's all we know. Or the feast in general, right? I mean, the feast in general. I mean, I grew up in a culture, I never even heard the word feast. But in Genesis 1, it says that you are the ones to govern the seasons and the times and the feasts. So you've been given authority to govern something, and you don't even know what you're governing. But we want to take dominion and rule the earth. We want to do many works. But we do not know his name. (laughs) So, and so, and and to, to bring this back for those that are like, well, I still don't understand the feast. Let me put it a little bit simply. Mount Sinai didn't happen till Exodus 20. He talked about the feasts in Exodus 6. So even if you say that we're not under the law, there was something that he spoke before the law was even given. And he said, the Bene Israel, the sons of Israel, which is who you are, you will do this everlasting in remembrance of me. And so there are things that we have adopted with church forefathers that have ridden us from our authority, our identity, our history, our inheritance. And not only that, we've adopted another inheritance, another authority, another culture, and then we fight against when the authentic comes along. All of you know this, that this is the way Satan works. He cannot create anything, right? He can only imitate. Typically what happens is the imitator happens first. Okay? So if you're one that's bucking up against something, typically just fall under (laughs) the imitation was first. Okay? Because the authentic is what's coming, that glory that's coming. So if he can't create anything, the imitation comes along on purpose to waver you so that when the authentic comes, you can't identify it. That's just the gospel. That's what happened with Yeshua. There were three groups of people when Yeshua came on the scene. There were the Sadducees and the religious that knew the Torah and interpreted the Torah and had their understanding of the Torah that talks about Yeshua the Messiah coming on the scene and they were so ingrained that religion surpassed their level of heart understanding that they missed Yeshua on the scene. So they preached one thing and missed it right in front of their face because religion was higher than their heart understanding, okay? Then there was another group of people called the Essenes. The Essenes were a holy group of religious people. They really had a heart after uh, Yahweh and they understood that the Messiah was gonna come. The problem was is that they were at the wrong place at the wrong time and they were stuck in the wilderness doing acts of holiness and so they missed his physical presence in Jerusalem. Then there was a third group of common lay people, a bunch of misfits the normal people on the earth that understood the Torah to the degree that they did not allow the religious system to overthrow their heart understanding that when he showed up on the scene, frequency to frequency, that is the guy. You are the one I've been studying. Yes, I will drop everything. And yes, I will follow you. 
Are we not back in that same place? Which group are you in? <laughs> the highly religious, this is what I grew up with, this is what church is. There's only one cup of communion. This is when Easter is and this is when Christmas is. And it's not Yeshua, it's Jesus, because that's just the English translation and who cares? Can I say something really bold? This was not the plan, but while we're talking about the Torah and whether or not we should follow the Torah, I will tell you right now, the greatest hindrance, the greatest thing that comes against following the Torah is how you eat. The greatest, we haven't even touched, I'm not going to touch that tonight. I am not going to touch that tonight. But if you look at all the laws and all the rules and all the regulations and the loving instructions from a father that said, you've been wayward. You've already been wayward. Let me give you some instructions so that my people can see that you are a set apart, holy, sanctified people. The problem with this hyper grace stuff is I want to do whatever I want because you don't want to be holy. You don't want to do the foundational work. You don't want to do the underground work. You don't want to be the violent dweller. You want to just look good. Okay, so what he does is, is he comes in and he gives the Torah and typically what happens is, is the greatest thing that most Christians will come against is, well, do not call clean what I have called, do not call unclean what I have called clean and I can eat whatever I want. Go for it. What was Satan's first trick? There's two trees. He told you not to eat of one. Satan comes along and says, be just like him, full freedom. You can eat whatever you want, saved by grace. I'm just saying, there are some things that we are falling trapped to, the church, and calling it Yeshua, and we're falling under the same traps as the original intent. Choosing what we can and cannot eat or saying, oh no, it's all free reign. I can do whatever I want. Okay, like I said, I'm not touching that. I'm just saying we're here again. And so when we say things as bold as that, uh, as for this family, he has sent us down a path, having no idea what path we were going on that what he did was we thought we were tearing down religion in our hearts. We thought we were getting rid of Egypt. And he's like, no, really, I'm getting rid of Christianity, period. Like you've been involved in a religion while you're saying you're tearing down religion. So we're going to tear it all down and you're not going to be a Christian anymore. Okay. But understand what I'm saying when I say that we've believed that Yeshua came to establish Christianity. No, he did not. Constantine established Christianity. He came to establish the kahal, the called out ones, the anointed ones who had full authority. And then there were some religious leaders that said, I really don't want these people to know how powerful they are because if they start operating that way, they're going to tear down my kingdom. So let's put some interpretations out there. Let's start a church. Let's get them to eat and have some fellowship and let's see what happens for 2000 years. So now we don't see mere milk being raised from the dead. We have a lot of potlucks, okay? Eat whatever you want. Is that all right to do that? <laughs> yeah. So one other, one other thing to put out there that we have to remember is that, and this is so interesting to me, that culture doesn't supersede truth. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so a lot of people will say, "Oh, you're doing the feast and you're doing this," and we've even been asked, "Like, are you guys Jewish now? Are you? Are you? Did you convert to Judaism?" And this is what's ha- this is what happens when you have mm-hmm. the Southern Kingdom, mm-hmm. right? One half of the house of Israel who embraces the Torah and holds the standard of the house so much so that when anybody embraces the truth, people will associate it with the culture of the house of Judah, Judaism, right? Judaism came, came out of that. And so people will associate what we're doing, embracing the truth with the culture that has embraced the truth throughout history. Does that make sense? So if somebody says like, "What? We're not Jewish. Why are you? Why are you observing the Torah? Why are you uh, observing the feasts? Why are you doing these things that Jews do?" Well, that's a culture. That's a culture that has embraced the truth so much so mm-hmm. that anybody else who embraces the truth, people will think you're you're trying to mimic this culture, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. When it's just biblical. So to be as plain as day, we are not Christian and we are not Jews. We are not in Judaism and we are not going to be in Christianity because we are going to be one new man that says that we are biblical Hebrews, which means we are people that have crossed over. We are people that look at the biblical truths. A lot of the biblical truths will begin to manifest and then you attach it to a culture and then you start to assign a group or assign a religion or assign and start to put the box and the boundaries when it's like, no, what we woke up to was just give me the reality of the word and I want the fullness. What is that original intent? Something is being made manifest and it is not Judaism and it is also not Christianity. And that is why we're getting so bold with what is to come and why we're talking about some of these lies that have come full circle that we're at the bat, we're at the beginning of the original lies and we've missed it and we've actually worshiped the lies okay one more bold thing so I'm not gonna get on I'm not gonna talk about it tonight but I'll just say this this dropped in my spirit that our next sermon are you okay is that the Antichrist is Christianity Okay, that just dropped in my spirit. I don't know what's gonna happen with that, but there are some things we've been worshiping that we are starting to recognize are absolutely anti-Yeshua. So the very things that we stand for are the very things that, like I said, even with like the food, it's the original sin. You can have whatever you want, And then we slap Christianity on it and say, we're the right ones. And now we're worshiping the very thing that has taken you out from his favor, from his authority, because we are not following his ways. We don't even know his ways. So when we start to operate in the feast and we say that we're here to rehearse, I'm talking about that third group that missed it. If we were still celebrating the things that we were celebrating and all of a sudden Yom Terorah happens and he comes back and it's tabernacles, we're going to be out in the wilderness trying to be holy with all these works and we're going to miss it because we don't even know where to look in the sky. 
for most of us, we've been waiting for the trumpet to fly away. You're gonna miss it when all of a sudden we realize he's here to rule and reign on this earth because we've missed the parables. We've, we've missed the understanding. There's so many things that we've missed. So when we're talking about a culture, there's a culture that comes when the biblical culture begins to be manifest. And it's something that we all have not seen or heard. And I believe in this new era that it is for such a time as this that there is a people that is willing to be in that third group, that is going to allow their understanding and knowledge to actually come from a place of their heart to where it won't be missed, which is why we're rehearsing and which, which is why I believe that there is a remnant of remnant. The word that also has been dropped in our spirit is the narrow of narrows. It's one thing to say, I'm going to walk this narrow road. It is another to understand the narrow of narrows. Because when you start understanding what's happening, what does 144,000 mean? And this isn't just eat whatever I want. And I wonder if that number means anything because it's all inclusive. No, it's not. This is why we're probably all intense. Why is it always got to be intense? Because there's a number and I want to be on that mountain. I don't want to be the one that's like, huh? But it was Easter. The eastern sky begins to rip open and there's this one new man where Jew and Gentile come together and there's a culture that begins to manifest and we're over here not focused at all. The cross. Can I say something else? Looking at the cross. Remember when I said that we were stuck at salvation? Okay, I'm going to say it differently. <laughs> it's going to be annoying. You're stuck at Yeshua. Okay, Yeshua came for one purpose. And this is what is so powerful because Christianity will say, I will die on Yeshua. It's all about the Messiah. It's all about the Messiah. My brother, my elder brother, I can do whatever I want. It's all about the, yeah. He came for one reason, to bring you to your father. One reason and one reason alone was to bring you back to Yahweh. You did not have access before him, but Christianity has said, there's the cross stuck at Yeshua, and we forgot that there's a process. That Yeshua said, come and meet my father. There's a difference between the father and Yeshua. Yeshua will go, it's just gonna be okay. Okay, get in front of Yahweh. How's your holiness? There's a culture here, and this culture needs to match. You want to come home? You want to live in my house? You're going to operate under my rules, okay? Yeshua is the one that comes out there and will rescue you and grab you in your mess. But at some point, his purpose was to bring you to his father, was to bring you to a place, was to bring you to that culture. And if we are stuck here, well, I'm on earth and the cross, and it just feels so good, and Yeshua, and it just, it, that's fine but at some point he wants you in the house because in the house is when you will serve and when you will rule and you will be trained and you will reign and you will take dominion and you will change the earth because it's you that is going to change the earth okay staying as little sister I'm not you guys understand what I'm saying 
you are not going to rule and reign without your elder brother teaching you the process. All I'm saying is as Christianity has said, sit at the cross and just stay at the cross. When it, the cross is the beginning, Yeshua came for one purpose and we're missing the purpose. We said, we've done it. We are so righteous. And look at we, those Jews, they missed it. They're horrible people. We have Yeshua and he's coming and we're gonna fly away. No, he came to do something in you. That's what Shavuot's about. That's why he said, it's better that I go. And he said during Pesach, he said, I will not drink this cup until. I will not drink this cup until it has fully happened. That's why we cannot say that we've done away with the Torah because has the scroll fully happened? Are we in a new heaven and a new earth? No. So it's not done away with. It has not been fully fulfilled. So he came to give you access. Get it. Trade into that. He came to give you access. That's why he said, it's better that I go. And I'm going to send you something that's going to empower you on high. That's what Shavuot's about. It's better that I go. So go to a place and wait and do not you dare go and preach to the ends of the earth until you've been empowered. Okay? I'm going to say something else. <laughs> we are all about community. And it is so easy in religion to say, just me and you. It's all I got. It's all I need. That's a lie. Even because that's just pride and self-righteous. You want to know why? Because Yahweh of Yahweh, of Yah the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the, you know, the chief God of all gods, that guy said, I'm going to put myself in community. I'm going to put myself with my son. He's going to dwell. I'm going to put you. myself with Ruach. That guy. And then we here on earth, just me and him. Yeah, you and something else. Because he intended for his people to be in complete dwelling un uh, union this way and this way. Because, it's the, because this is what he wants dominion over. And that's why he said it's better if I go because you have to do it. So if you're the one with all the power and then you're sitting hoarding it all in a closet, he, he's stuck. Right? So the community is this way and the community is this way. And that is what we want to talk about tonight. Right? Yes. That's funny. Oh, nice. Our speakers say community. <laughs> That's awesome. So how many, how many of you guys have ever tried to witness to somebody? You talk about church or Jesus or, and they go, nah, I've tried that. I've done that. I've been hurt by that. Right? On the flip side, what's happening is they're associating the culture of Christianity, mm -hmm. right? That's been their experience has been the culture of Christianity, not the truth of right. Christianity. Okay. And what's happening when you talk about the narrow of narrows is you have a culture of Christianity being built up, criticizing a culture of Judaism. 
right? And you have a culture of Judaism being built up, criticizing a culture of Christianity when we should all be focused right. on the truth, which is really the ministry of reconciliation, bringing two houses together. Now, what happens and where we're going when you talk about the narrow of narrows is we're walking a path towards the ministry of reconciliation, towards the truth that isn't Christian or Judaic. Right. We're in the middle of both of them. We don't fit in either box. Not no more. And when you start talking about this, you're gonna feel the reality of that narrow gate that you're walking in. Right. Because we're, we're in between, mm -hmm. we're sandwiched in between two houses and we're either gonna go forward or go backwards. Mm -hmm. There's no side to side. <laughs> Yeshua isn't allowing us to, to <laughs> just step in either house anymore. <laughs> right, because we've all been given the ministry of reconciliation like Apostle Paul said, and what does that mean? You're gonna touch, you're gonna touch that narrow gate. Mm -hmm. You're gonna, you're gonna put your hand on the dividing wall of hostility when everybody says, don't touch that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah. So one more thing before we get into graduation in this culture. Um, and, and we'll get into more of this teaching, but I just, I just feel like I wanna make sure that we understand this, that when we go all the way back, he's talking about Yehuda, Judah, and this, the southern tribe. In 1 Kings, it talks about the house that divided. Okay? So the 12 tribes, there was Judah, which is the Jews. And then there's the scattered house of Israel, which would be essentially under uh, Joseph. Now, remember, just history, uh, that... Joseph married an Egyptian, okay? And had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, that were adopted under Jacob. Okay, catch what is happening in the spirit, okay? Two houses being adopted in under Jacob, okay? Anyways, I say that because I wanna make sure that we understand who the house of Israel is. The scattered house of all the other tribes which would be a basically 10 tribes scattered. Uh, Yehuda and Benjamin are the ones that st stayed together and half of the Levites. The rest of them scattered and they went north. Okay, so here's what happened. The ones that went north, you, can, can I just say that to just make it real, us, were so bound up in paganism and idolatry that this is what the uh, book of um, Hosea is about that there was a divorce that came. They asked for a divorce and Yahweh granted them that divorce. Now, this is what is so powerful about the Torah. This is what we're missing with the gospel. Because of the Torah, oh, the only way that that marriage or that wife could be redeemed is if the husband dies. This is why Yeshua said, I did not come for everyone. I came for the lost house of Israel. You, okay? So while we've been on our pedestal saying Jews didn't get it, Yehuda never got a divorce. 
they stayed in the, they would waver, but they always came back to the Torah. Okay? Now, I'm not saying that that doesn't mean that they don't need Yeshua. I'm just saying that's why we rehearse, because there's a plan for them. But you're part of that plan. That's why we need to understand this, because if he came for the lost sheep of Israel, we're going to begin to learn, I'm not the church, I'm not the light, I am the house of Israel. And when that begins to wake up and manifest and that culture begins to happen, then Yehuda is going to be like, what is that? And then they're going to be, they're going to come into their plan. But the more we keep doing this, they missed it. And they're like, you guys killed us. You blamed us. And you know, we're, we're a house divided. Okay. So I just, when you, when you're talking, when you, when you read the book of Hosea, I want you to really understand that according to the Torah, the only way that a wife that has uh, been divorced or a, a divorced wife can be redeemed is if the husband dies. And that is ultimately what Yeshua did. And so I want us to understand where we are in that, which is why it is not Judaism and it is not Christianity, but it is the one new man where Jew and Gentile come together. And that is the culture that we're talking about. Okay? You want to talk about graduation? I don't even know where to start with that. I don't either. Well, let's stop here because we're going to do a shift because we're going to talk about graduation. And the reason why we're going to talk about graduation is because we're going to talk about this culture that we got to uh, be a part of. Now, let me say this. Is this, everybody okay? I'm going to ask that in a second. Okay. All right. <laughs> Spoke too soon. <laughs> we're going to talk about graduation because we were sent to a community that has been walking in this understanding. And there's some things that manifested that what is so powerful was it wasn't like, whoa, this is so new. It was like, this is the path that Yahweh has had us on this whole time. This is why we've been so weird. We're not that weird. There's other people out there. There is a community that says Kahal. There is a community where they still uh, honor. And, 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 and anyways, we're going to get into all of that. But there's some things that have been robbed from us. And it's not like we got shoved into this culture where we're like, whoa, we got to do everything different. We got shoved into a culture of like, I wish I had this like six, seven years ago. It would have, it would, I would have not, that would have been not as hard. Because we didn't, you guys, you guys were all there when we met as a family. How do you guys think about Friday nights? What? Shabbat Shalom. Then all the, it was after we decide to meet on Friday nights that there's other communities that meet on Friday nights because that's when Shabbat starts. Do you guys want to know what Shabbat means? You guys have no idea. Shabbat. Shalom is that people. You are to be. It is the one day a week that you set it apart. You do not do the same thing. I'm not talking about rules and regulations. I'm not talking about you worshiping. You should be worshiping every single day. I'm not talking about Sunday morning worship. Um, you should be worshiping every day, praying every day. I'm talking about one day that you set aside and say, this is completely different than the rest of the week because I'm renewing my covenant with you. I am going, it's like when you're in a marriage, man, we've been worshiping a lot and we've been praying a lot and we've been doing things with the kids a lot, right? You, you, you're doing life, right? You don't not worship Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, right? But then Shabbat comes. 
and it's candlelight dinner. Where do you think candlelight dinner came from for you married couples? Shabbat! We think, oh, Western culture, we're so cool. Candlelight dinner, it was a Shabbat thing. It, it, is, it is a time of setting aside a day that says, I am going to just adore your face and I'm gonna set the, I'm gonna not work. Do you know you're not supposed to make your bed on Shabbat? You're not supposed to do the dishes on Shabbat. You're not supposed to do some things. Not so you can... <sighs> Kick your feet up, watch TV. Yeah, not work. so. You can be in the middle of this love affair. Hey, what are we eating? It's supposed to be a time set aside where you are renewing that love and that covenant and it's candlelight dinner and it's and and you set it aside and you raise your kids up and you honor it and it's holy and you We didn't know that. We're like let's meet on Friday nights. Then he teaches us about Shabbat. Most of us on Friday night. I've heard it. That's my drinking night. I've witnessed, I try to witness House of Judah, Christian, I don't care. Come on Friday, nah, drink on Friday night. But seriously, God, what, what are we doing? Set it aside, set it aside. And so we're, we start on Friday night and I just think that that's so powerful. We didn't know, we just said, hey, why don't we move to Friday night? And then all of a sudden we find that there's another community meeting on Shabbat, sundown, six o'clock. It's the beginning of Shabbat. This is the beginning of your week. This sets the tone and the frequency for the rest of the week under candlelight dinner where you separate yourself. Say, I'm doing something different. You guys should know this if you're in any kind of relationship. Throw some spice in there. Right? Marvin? Right? on Sunday and he said I want you to demolish the sun gods I want you to demolish the Sunday I want you to demolish that mindset because your week starts on Friday night there's something about that there's something about that shift in our heart and it's like we were these young kids actions precede beliefs you know when you tell your kids wash your hands they don't know why just wash your hands then when they're old enough then then you attach the belief to their action and then it makes sense why they've been doing it most parenting don't do that they say i'm gonna tell my kids when they understand then i'll teach them too late actions precede beliefs we will meet on Friday. I don't know why. And then he's like, boom, Shabbat. Whoa. Right? So there's some things that our family's gone through that we're like, what are we doing? And then we get shoved into this culture this last weekend where we're like, what? Did what? No. Originally, no. he told I, us to do that, and in our understanding at the time, which I think was good, even though it wasn't, it wasn't, it had nothing to do with Shabbat. I think our understanding at the time was, we're we're going to step outside of the normal pattern of the church community so that 
more people so we can start to hit at competition. Right. So that there, we're stepping out of the way so that we're not all trying to gather at the same time and it would allow for you know other people to have rest and, and access. And to, to even just break the routine in us. You know, um, and then here we are. I mean, there's, there's a million things, right? So, okay. So now I'll ask the question, how are you guys doing? Anyone not doing okay? It's hard with that light. Do you guys have any questions up to this point before we start talking about this culture and these people? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's true. The weekend. Well, essentially, this is the start of the week. So then I guess the weekend would have been third Wednesday and Thursday. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's good. Go ahead, Jacob. Mm-hmm. Right. That's good. He was just saying in the future to have conversations of why do we love Israel? What is it about that land? And uh, what does that mean for us? I mean, essentially, just really quickly, the scattered ones will meet again on that mountain. So there's a love that's beginning to burn uh, to get there uh, because, because of what is happening. So, yes, baby. That's a good question. (laughs) When he comes, will we be in Israel? I don't know if I can answer that. I'm going to say yes and no. Because there is a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. But that doesn't mean that we won't physically be a part of that 144. And rule and reign on earth and have dominion throughout all of the earth. Go ahead, baby. Yes, wrong place at the wrong time. Part of that has to do with where he's gonna come out of the sky and us not being aware of anything. So there's an awareness that's coming that is new to all of us that we're going to begin to understand like we've never understood before versus just this facade. I'm gonna hear a trumpet and it means I will get sucked up. But that there is, there is a, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, is that there are mysteries, but he reveals those mysteries. And there is an aspect where we are rehearsing it's kind of like when I dropped the bomb when I said, you know, like how we have Thanksgiving and then we have the, uh, um, the nickname for it, Turkey Day. When it says no man will know the time or hour, that doesn't literally mean no man will know the time or hour. That is a nickname for the day that he comes back. It is a nickname for Yom Terorah. It's a feast. So, go ahead.
I think that somebody had asked this. So those are holidays that are um, uh, national or patriotic that are different than paganism. Does that make sense? So there's an aspect of honoring how our country started with Thanksgiving. There's an aspect of 4th of July. There are those aspects. When we're talking about like Easter and Christmas, Christmas, that's when we start dealing with replacement theology that has taken you away from the feast and into paganism that doesn't have anything to do with America or your culture. It has to do with a hodgepodge of culture that we've just adopted as Christianity and it's, and it's, and it's not. That Those sense? are more like civil holidays. Yeah. Like Israel has Rosh Hashanah, which uh-huh. is not a feast, but that's like their New Year, New Year's Day. And we have New Year's, so we, you know. Uh, Mount Zion. Zion. Mm-hmm. Any other questions? Okay. Yes. Yes. So you could say that I am a part of a kahal, or you could say that I'm going to the kahal. You could, it would be basically like replacing it with church. It would be like saying ecclesia, you know, it's just ecclesia is the Greek word and kahal is the Hebrew. Mm-hmm. So speaking of that, the teacher that I am under and learning from, let me explain why we want to graduate. And I hope that this is an honoring thing, but you have uh, a spiritual mom and dad that will never position themselves like we've arrived. There is, I want to be the greatest student because if I am not the greatest student, then I would never expect anybody that is following me to not be also the greatest student. So it's, there's an aspect of uh, being hungry for being able to learn more. So when we decided to study and, uh, and become, and we've studied a lot, but in this and wanting to really begin the process of basically just being a student, that's the best way for me to explain why we entered into this process. Does that make sense? Um, The teacher that I am, one of the teachers that I'm under, she is a doctor and she lived in Israel for uh, over 10 years. And this is what is so powerful. She's never been a part of the church. That in and of itself is very powerful because we're not having to spend time to undo things. She's just coming at it from, why do you guys do that? Like, why do you say Jacob? Why do you say Jesus? <laughs> she doesn't, she, she's never been in the church. What, Pentecost? And she, even when she makes fun of us, she does it very Western. She'll just be like, what were some of the things she was saying? She was just saying like Pentecost, like Southern, I don't know why she's associating Southern with church, but. She was like, you know what you guys call Pentecost, you know, I mean, to just, cause that was the birth of the church. And she's like, no, it wasn't. If you understand the Torah at all, they had experienced Acts 2 on Mount Sinai, very literal. And if, and if you go outside of the biblical uh, books, um, 
That part is hard too, because religion says this is what was canonized. This is our Bible, that is it. So then I'll say this, there are some other writings that are true. They're not in the Bible and they're not canonized, but they are true. So I'll just say that. Here's why I can say that. Because somebody around 200, 300 AD decided to say, you know what? The book of Enoch 1, 2, and 3 should not be in the Bible. Because you want to know why? Also the gospel of uh, Thomas. If you knew about those, you would actually know what your identity is and you would actually know what angels do. But if you knew what angels do, then you would be empowered. So therefore, we're gonna take that out of the Bible. Here's your canonized Bible, there's Christianity, and that is the only word of God. Okay? Okay, huh? Neutered, (laughs) yes. But think about it. Some of these books are the ones that empower you and know about the culture that they were so aware of and then it was stripped from us. So again, not gonna get into it tonight, but I'm just saying there are writings out there that are true that are not necessary. Why did I even get into that? Oh, because Mount Sinai, there's, there's more writings that talk about that. And it's Acts all over again. But we start with Acts and say, that was the birth of the church. Everything before that has been done away with. Now we move forward, not recognizing that what Acts was, was honoring what was. And so there is something that comes from that culture that they had to empower them to, to bring them to where they, they knew how to be in a kahal. They knew how to do that because of what they had been under. We're not like aimlessly like, oh, this is a new thing. It's not, it's a new thing to you. It's not a new thing to him. Okay. All right. So anyway, so one of the teachers has never been in the church before, which is super powerful, Dr. Yana. And then um, they, she's Jewish and she is partnered with Darla Fields, who was a Pentecostal pastor in New Mexico. And she goes to Israel on a tour because that's what pastors do. And she is not Jewish, she is Christian, Pentecostal pastor, and raised that way, and she meets Dr. Yana in Israel. And her whole world got flipped upside down. She, she just, I mean, her story, she said she just stepped on that land and she began to shake and cry and her heart and the frequency. And she just, I mean, she just got, and then that began their story together. Here they are now, they are in New Mexico together. Uh, 25 years, they've had this community. So this is... The way that I envision it would be 25 years from now, we're talking about this community and other people around the world start hearing about Kingdom Heirs. That's where they've been. They've had this 25 year community. It is not a church. And yet they, they were walking as this one new man. And only now is the world beginning to see what it is that they have to offer as they're uh, starting to venture out Dad and I are part of the Aleph class, the first class to come into their Hebrew Scrolls Academy, and they are beginning the process of the floodgates opening up to uh, being able to minister on the things that they've been in for over 25 years. So the best way to explain this community is they're actually stepping into another new thing. I'm trying to think of how to explain this. Um, 
We had religion and we stepped out of religion into being Hebraic. This community has been Hebraic as long as we've had religion and they're stepping into some new things. And so it's just a testament of, about where we're going. Does that, does that make sense? So they've had the Hebraic, but even them, that's not it, guys. I don't want to scare you, but we all know that New Age just took what was already His. So when I say, when you understand the his, this Hebraic lifestyle and you begin to understand the angels and you begin to understand these gifts that have been robbed from you and you begin to understand and rehearse the feasts and you begin to understand the Ruach HaKodesh and you begin to understand who Yeshua the Messiah is and you begin to go from, from, from here to here, there's gonna be some things that are gonna happen in your life. And it's what they're calling the quantum. It's the stuff that you begin to pray and you're not begging, but all of a sudden you're creating because you're just in a realm and all of a sudden you're beginning to just create things. And you know what? I don't need an altar call where I say, whose knee hurts? And I'm going to be the one to lay my hands on you because I need the glory. But I'm going to be the one in the corner creating a knee and you're gonna walk out healed and nobody gets the glory, okay? There is a people that is beginning to operate at such a magnificent level because you're actually allowed to say that you're magnificent. You're actually allowed to say, I walk with an authority. I actually know my identity. There are some things I was created to do. There were some things that I meant to tap into. There were some things that, that are happening on the inside. And then all of a sudden you begin to start operating in realms where you begin to pray and it manifests and it moves right in front of you. That's where this community is. And I'm like, what's Kahal? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> But they don't know religion. They're just straight out of Jerusalem. They're just straight out of like, right? Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and now getting in line. And so it's just so powerful because there's been some powerful communities that God has aligned us with, yes? And amen. Very strong apostolic communities, right? That was a step in our journey to help us get out of the pastoral, to get out of the church, okay? Remember when I was dropping bombs years ago and I'm like, it's not about the apostle and the prophets because we have all the gifts within us. I didn't know what I was saying. We're there now, <laughs> right? So it's kind of like we, we, there were some shifts and there were some communities that we've been uh, greatly bound to, uh, beautiful covenant relationships that have been part of our journey and part remember when I talked about being transitionaries and there are people that are going to end this church era well and we honor them for that and they need to finish their scroll and they need to do that and we are in community with them all I'm saying is is that the community that I just got we both just got catapulted into is the community that will walk into our next this is the community that is going to walk into our next and we can fully follow in that next because of their history and where they're going, okay? So I wanna talk about the culture and, and I think we have some pictures that might just help me get my focus together. But I wanna talk about the culture a little bit. Is that okay to do that? Um, 
And this is, uh, this is so, uh, and I'm de definitely going to get emotional. Because um, when you begin to remember who you are, this is all of our stories. You came from a place. This is not new for you. You're waking up to what you always knew. You came from somewhere, okay? So I came from somewhere and where I come from, it is normal to kiss, like on the lips. And I remember coming to Flagstaff and it was like, John's like, uh-uh, it's coming, John. <laughs> I had to, but here's the thing. While, and Ellen said, when you go to your friend's house and they cook hot dogs in the microwave and that's weird, there was something that happened to me when that part of me got suppressed, okay? Because there was an affectionate side to me that religion said, shut it down, okay? So only now am I being granted permission to allow that to come out. And while that has been suppressed, it has been suppressed with women and men. It is, it is, there is an aspect where I just, but I came from heaven. I'm not even saying that this came from my parents. I just, I came from heaven and we kiss each other and we are gushy and gooey and creamy and just lovey, right? And religion goes, Yeshua was not that. He was stoic and cold and what? So, so what's happening is, is so we're beginning to wake up to some things. So I walk into this culture and they're kissing. I mean like men and men. I mean like there's no, stop saying no. There is it now, now here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yeshua. He's getting red back there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeshua walked this earth. Where did he walk? Earth. Israel. If you went to Israel, you would recognize that there is a culture to where there is no personal space. Okay, but when we grow up here, it is like, I have a bubble. Social distancing. Social distancing at its finest. Well, we have to understand that Yeshua walked in this culture. And so anyways, part of that was so powerful is we walk in and they are kissing and they are affectionate and almost to the point where it's making me really uncomfortable because this is just waking up to, you know, I'm just waking up to this. It has been suppressed. I was told that that is wrong. So when all of a sudden I see people singing in a frequency and they're just, they're just holding each other. You're, you're being hard. <laughs> you're not soft. <laughs> and they're singing and they're just breathing on one another. And I'm like, what? But it wasn't like it was a culture shock. There was such a love there and a genuine. And um, we get invited to a family barbecue, which is already like, they, they, they barbecue here. And you, let me tell you this. We're in the kahal. Joshua says, you drink beer? My people. I'm talking about gushy, gooey, creamy, kissing talits, singing in Hebrew, and they ask us if we drink beer. 
These are people we can follow. Because this, this is so powerful. This was, this was so powerful. So what was my point? I don't remember what I was gonna say. But here's the thing, when we were at the barbecue, you wanna know what else happened? I got delivered. Yes. Just, they, they just said, share what happened. And I just began to open up like a floodgate. And I began to share it. And I began to, to, to speak. And they stopped the whole barbecue right then and there. They said, get at the head of the table. Put this, these two together. And this man that asked us if we drink beer goes and grabs his Isra uh, Israel tallit. And he pulls it out and he kisses it and he puts it over us and he covers us and they put their hands on us and they begin to pray and they begin to prophesy and they just, they shield us and they guard us. And then they take off the tallit and they start talking about covenant. And I'm like, mm, that's dangerous because you don't, I am where I'm in because of cov covenant, meaning I'm in this place because of covenant. And they were like, you've met your match. That is powerful. That is dangerous words. Now, granted, that was a joke that came later on because the guy was uh, grilling burgers and they're making fun of my plant burger and they wanna know if a sprout's gonna come out of it. And so we're teasing each other and they're slapping cheese on this thing. And, and so then he goes, oh, your dog is so, how'd you get his name? And I was like, we're kind of crazy. He's like, well, you know, we're, we're pretty crazy. I don't, and I went, well, the letter Semek brought it to me. Oh, you're that crazy. Oh, and I was like, you've met your match. So I was able to tell them that they met their match. And then later on, they were able to tell us that we've met their match when it comes time to covenant. So anyways, oh, I know what I was gonna talk about. When we got to the barbecue, guess what? We're all standing in the kitchen and like normal, I go like this. I step forward and I go like this. And I was like, oh, and they all got in a circle. And I was like, did I start that? And they were like, they looked at me like I was nuts. They were like, no, we do this every time we get together. I'm like, you guys get in a circle and you hold hands? That's like something that we do in this family. And we totally walked into this family that just does that and then we did we broke bread and we did communion and they did the blessing over us in Hebrew and so anyways the culture was just such a powerful emotional culture and I say all of that because religion has said you should not be emotional you know even when you worship I need you to be subdued and I need you to you know just get it together and these people are not subdued and they don't want to get it together because everything in their body is synergizing with heaven. And so to, to see a group of people that have never been a part of church be so in love with the kingdom to where their whole being is in it was super not abnormal because I believe that's what we have. But it was confirmation and powerful that there are other people like that. Amen. What else, what else about the culture? Well, I know one thing that that was very apparent to me was because people can talk about covenant and you can we can throw out any kind of words and it just depends on what you know whoever hears it their level of understanding or experience with that dynamic and so 
But when they said you've met your match, which is another thing, mm. it was apparent to me that that was true. And it hit me like a ton of bricks because we had been involved in this kahal in this community all weekend where it was like the ministry of reconciliation was that is what they operate in, which is that that's just a covenant ministry. And so when they when they talked about covenant and breaking bread with us, I was like, Psh, man, and the, the dynamic. Are you guys about, understanding what he's saying about the ministry of reconciliation? <clears throat> This is not a church group saying to us, we do covenant. That means that I won't be offended and I won't walk away from you. Been there, done that. This was not a church group. This was a group of people that spend their life savings at least once a year with their children to go to Israel that have been under persecution, that have seen the supernatural. Why? Because they believe in one new man. They believe in covenant to that degree that when they said you've met your match, I'm like, I actually think we might have. Because my level of covenant has been here. Their level of covenant is, if I go to Jerusalem, are they gonna accept me? Are they gonna understand who we are? Does, is that making sense? Their vision was not like, hey, what's your church mission? Their vision is to walk in that one new man and it is the fullness of covenant where the two houses become one. Ellen and Gabe taught on it. Shavuot is about the two loaves of bread coming together and waving them together as a declaration that the two houses will come together. You find a group of people that are willing to stand for that kind of covenant, I think we can handle some relationship stuff. So that's why when they said that you've met your match, we knew that they meant it because this wasn't a church group saying, I got your back. This was a, we understand what one new man means. It means everything in me needs to die because everything in us is for the fullness of what he has. Okay. So we're in the month of Sivan and there's a powerful dynamic about that, that it's, it's a month of twins, of matching of things that mirror each other coming together. And so this this whole this whole dynamic of this whole weekend you guys sending us and them receiving us and everything. I mean everything was so powerful about it. Just the matching aspect of it. Um man there's so much. Do we do we were we able to get those pictures? We do have pictures. And I, think, I know, I knew, I, I know, I kind of threw that out there. But with the month of Savan, and remember, I've told you that there's a mystery in the Bible about two. There's always things in two. Well, when you think about being a twin, and we're talking about culture, this is what I mean by there is order in the kingdom, and there is a culture that he's that he operates out of, and he's looking for his match. He's looking for his twin on earth. That's why it says I'm, I'm scouring the earth. He is looking for ones that look like him. And this is what's so hard. We spend so much time fighting against what is him because we don't know if we grew up with that or we don't understand it in our head knowledge. So we, 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 we kick against his culture and his culture. He's looking for his culture on earth. We are to be his match. 
he is supposed to find who we are. And, and that is that, that power of twins or being able to find that match. And that is what is happening in this family, that in this new era, and as we close the door to church, as we close the door to the last 2,000 years, we're walking in more of his match his biblical match, not man's match, not traditional match, not Judaism match, not Christian match, not Buddhism match, not Adonai's match, his match, heaven's match. But in order to be heaven's match, we're gonna have to tear down some cultural, cultural things to build up his culture, which is why we're building up those pillars. What the pillar that we're on is that we're gonna honor what he honors. What's the next floor? To engage what he engages and what is coming with that engagement. What'd she say? There's my mom. <laughs> this is, uh, so Dr. Yana is to the left. Um, what? She's on your left in the picture, but she's on the right. I'm a hygienist. So that is my left. <laughs> Every time I look at an x-ray, they're like, no, that's the right. I'm like, no, that's the left. Dr. Yana and Darla. <laughs> you can go to the next one. We just kind of threw out some pictures, hoping that maybe something, you know, we'll just kind of speak and see what happens. Padrino. Uh, all the way to the right, <laughs> over there. <laughs> she is a uh, powerful. She has a story. I will not be able to do it just justice, so I won't. But she, for the first time, spoke her story in front, uh, in front of us. Um, she has been adopted uh, out of Bolivia and was given uh, to her. Her mom gave her up to her dad. Her dad gave her up to her aunt. Her aunt gave her to an orphanage. And then an adopted family came and brought her to America. She was one of 18 and was not treated well. Uh, she got polio and couldn't walk. So they decided at the age of eight months when she had polio and couldn't walk that she uh, was going to be given over to all of this stuff. So of course she grows up with a lot of rejection, very quiet. And she spoke about an adopted spiritual mother. And some of the things that she talked about is what we have here. And the reason why I get so passionate is because we are hungry to come under because we know what it affords us. And that's what's been so hard in religion because religion is like, Argh. and I'm like, why? Why would you not want that creamy, good goodness? You know what I mean? I mean, this adopted mom would buy her new outfits and she wouldn't know what to do. And she'd be like, isn't it fun to be loved? Just to pour out love. So she gives her testimony for the first time. So powerful. Yahweh completely restores her and ends up finding out that she was not rejected, but loved because her mom knew that she didn't have the tools to be able to take care of her. Her dad didn't know what to do. And then her... The, he retold the story. The lies came in, they didn't love you. And in fact, he rewrote it and said, they so loved you, I gave you up so that. She now is on her way to being a trillionaire. She is Miss USA, an accordion player. Absolutely powerful, powerful speaker. But this is what I'm talking about, about the goodness of Yahweh rewriting your story. Any lie that you have can be rewrote. 
Any pathway that you have towards addiction can be rewrote. When you begin to operate with a family, which happened with us, where you begin to confess your sins one to another and you are bound in covenant and there is uh, accountability and honor and integrity, but also love. I'm not talking about the gushy love that keeps you there. I'm talking about that gushy love that says, get up and walk. That kind of love, when you have that surrounding you, he is going to rewrite your story and you are going to begin to walk in a new pathway. All right, next picture. Okay. All right. That is the Torah. This is over 500 years old scripture. It was rescued from the caves from a Holocaust in Israel. And it was donated to this kahal um, on Shavuot, because we know that Shavuot is when the Torah was given to the people. And it is said that on Shavuot, it would be written in our hearts. Now, I wanna say something that I hope hits your spirit, that when it says that he is the word and the word became flesh, it's, it is saying, and he is the Torah and the Torah became flesh. The loving instructions from my father has been sent on this earth. And so there was an aspect on Shavuot where they basically uh, did this thing where we walked around the building and we all had the tribes. Uh, we were handed uh, Joseph uh, and uh, they said, you're gonna dance with the Torah. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know what they were talking about, but I was just, you know, I'm kind of a watchman. I don't get all like, I want to, but I will stand back and just kind of watch for a while. But when I saw these men, which we have a video of dad, uh, with a tallit, it was always, we were always covered. It was never this flamboyant. It was a very beautiful, holy thing um, where they would cover you. And this Torah, what this is, is this is the casing of it that unlocks and when it opens the scroll is on the inside now you guys know that the bible i don't have my actual bible with me the bible back then was not a bible bound in a book like a book it was a scroll so on the inside of this there's two spools like a baker's thing on either side and it's the scripture in hebrew is is rolled around the two you, got, you guys know what I'm talking about? And so it's, and that's why there's no chapters either. It's just, they just, they memorize the Torah. It's just because it was just all one long thing. Well, when the Holocaust happened, it is tradition that the Jews would uh, burn down their own place. So what they did was, was they basically took that out and that's why that got rescued. Everything else got burned and then it got sent uh, to this kahal. So, during the Shavuot service, we got to dance with the Torah. Now I watched for a long time. There was an anointing that fell on Padrino to where one of the teachers came up to him and said, are you a Jew? Which is super powerful because he's finding out that his heritage is a Sephardic Jew. And she said, you are a Jew of all Jews. Now I want you guys to understand something. When we got married, little did we know When we got married, I thought we were smashing interracial marriage. Little did I know that we were the representation of the ministry of reconciliation where Jew and Gentile will be redeemed and come together. And they started to see this. We go in low, guys. We sat in the back. We were quiet. And 
it that ju- didn't even occur to me until you just said that right now. Did it? That's why I was like shaking. <laughs> so they started the Cape Verde and they started calling him out. She goes, you're a Jew. And I saw it. I don't know how to explain it. I've only seen it in an encounter with some of the old, uh, old priests in my cloud of witness with Zadok specifically. They're very little and kind of like, I don't, I don't know if this is making sense. In my encounters, they're very uh, hunched over. I don't, anyways, I saw it for the first time when he had the tallit on him and the way that he was kind of hunched and the way he was holding it. I, I, there was an anointing that fell when he grabbed that. And so I stood back and I watched for a long time. And then towards the end, I really could feel something. I woke up, you guys all know my testimony. I woke up out of religion over eight years ago on Shavuot. That was when the scriptures came alive. So there was something for me when the word became flesh in me that I wanted to go and do this. And a spiritual father happened to be waiting there for me, put the tallit over me right away, handed it to me. This thing is probably 75 pounds. Yeah, it was heavy. It was heavy. And I felt like I was holding, I the word became flesh. That's all. I mean, I just, I remember just putting my nose in it and it's like a baby and just the honoring of the word because there was a group of people that fought for that honor. And we as Christians have been so self-righteous that we have said, I don't even care what the Torah says. I don't even care what that says. He did away with that. He is that. He became that. He's fulfilling that. He did fulfill it and is still fulfilling that. And we got to touch it. That came into my hands. I don't know if you can see it. I began to shake under the power. I don't even really know what was happening, but I just, my whole body began to shake. After I gave it up, we ended up taking communion. And when we walked up to the front, uh, Dr. Yana actually came and met us with the two loaves of bread. And she read our mail. She absolutely read our mail. These are just some of the things she said. Now you guys understand, I've been in this school. I did not, I, I, I don't tell people who I am. I don't tell them, hey, we have a community. I'm not telling these people who are crazy that I'm, do- I don't even know who I am. I don't say anything. We don't have a church. I don't have sons and I don't know nothing. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I don't say anything. We just were in the school. She comes up to us. One of the first things she looks at me and she goes, you are a mother to many. That word was given to me so many years ago. And she goes, and as hard as you correct is as hard as you love. And I'm like, I am, I'm just like looking at her. And of course she's just, you know, she's like in, she's Jewish and she's just in it. And she's all up in my face. And I'm like, and then she turns to him and she, and she goes, thank you for creating an environment for her. You are a Moshe begins to talk about how he's a, a Moses. You don't need an Aaron or a her, you are. The, I mean, he, she just starts, I don't even know what else. I mean, I don't even know. We were just like, she just read our mail. It was super powerful uh, to be able to break covenant. So that happened after that. One thing I wanna say about this picture while it's up <clears throat> is that I, I can't even express the the thanks or just the how humbling it is or how powerful it is that as a family you guys sent us into a place and you sent us in a powerful way to where when I was when I took this picture and this man Andy put the scroll he it was funny right like we're 
we go low, like mom said, like all these people were just waiting in line. I want to hold the scroll. I want to hold the scroll. Well, so much time had gone by. And I said, I think you need to hold the scroll now because it had kind of, everybody had kind of, you know, maybe the hype of it or whatever. And Andy was back there and he's like, I got, he's, he saw us coming back and he like took it from whoever had it and he put it in her hands. And this is where I'm just so appreciative of having a family that sends us because when you, what I saw was that there was a, there was an awakening or a reconnection in her of who she's always been that maybe she didn't fully realize. And it happened when the Torah scroll, which was, which was an item that survived just the destruction of the Jewish people and the anti-Semitism and all of these things. And this was safeguarded through generations and given to these women to safeguard, to continue to safeguard. And all of a sudden it found its way into her arms and she's just, she's just in it. And to me, it was like, that's a moment that she will never forget. And you guys sent us into that. So I really, I, I can't thank you guys enough because there was so much about this weekend. I feel like the school was not just us stepping into uh, being students. It was more than that. It's another step in the path. It's uh, this whole weekend was a divine intersection <laughs> mm. to say the <clears throat> least. <clears throat> Um, and so many things transpired that it's like we've been on this trajectory and we just, it, it's like we accelerated. I don't, I, I can't even describe it, but I, I just want you guys to see this picture and know that you guys sent us into that. And there were some major things happening this weekend. So, but yeah, she, when she grabbed that, I was, I was just, it was almost like a, like a, like super holy, like take your shoes off type of situation. Well, and to add just really quick, cause not everybody gets to know this story. So I'm just gonna say it really quick. When you guys sent us, this is how powerful Yahweh is, okay? The first night, the first day I'm watching and they're all gooey and I'm just kind of waking up to my gooeyness, but I'm like, I'm not gonna be gooey yet so I'm just gonna like I got the social distancing thing going on I mean I'm just I I will watch and I will wait and see right so I'm just you know I'm doing my thing I'm in my apostolic mode I'm like looking out for all the dynamics I'm like I'm, okay Friday night comes and we're in the middle of worship and I'm still just kind of doing my watch thing and all of a sudden a tallit falls over us and this man says, I'm just gonna pray for you. And he talked about a divine intersection. I mean, we got our mail read again. I honestly cannot even tell you right now what he said, but he began to speak over our marriage. He began to speak over a new thing. He gave us Isaiah 43. He said, don't you ever look back. I don't ever, this is a new thing. He's doing a new thing. I don't ever want you to, it was like healing began. To, I started to tremble. He's crying. I'm holding on to him. He's, he's speaking over him and I don't even know all of what he said. Guess what? This guy comes up to us afterwards and he goes, so where, where are you guys from? And, uh, and, and anyways, the whole thing was just super, super powerful. He goes, where are you guys from? And we're like from Flagstick. Oh, no way. I used to live there. What do you know, where, where, what community are you guys from? 
Grace Fellowship Full Gospel that's now Kingdom Heirs that moved that was on uh, sh- are you ser- I went to that church I was like <laughs> he's like yeah the, the, the pastor he starts naming the pa- he's like the one with all the kids that were running there the kids were doing everything and he's like and, and he's like on Schweitzer and he's like describing the building I'm like how did we get here <laughs> this is weird and he is like freaking out he was it was in the year 2006 it was a couple of years after we he's like you were probably those little kids and I was like get out of here he was like talking he was like I we probably met each other and he's looking them up and down anyways they lived here for a year and a half did barbecues with the church their granddaughter went to Six Flags with the youth pastors I mean it's crazy here our history sent to New Mexico and he's laying a Toledo over us and he's just reading our mail. Don't you ever look back. From that moment forward, he pretty much put us under his wing and was one of those people that just began to um, uh, him and his wife were a us <laughs> for us and that was the house that we got invited to go to and their kids and um and who we who we just you know and so anyways from there this relationship begins to 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 bust open and uh we're imparting into them because they're remembering who they are and everything that happened because he was so humbled he goes whoa i was just obedient He's like, you just, you walked through the door and I just felt like Yahweh said that he met you at the door. And I just, and you guys, I just gravitated towards you guys. And I just, and then the next day he goes, you you kept me up all night. I'm like, I know, I know what that's like. He's like, but you, you just keep me up all night. And he's still texting and telling us what to do and what songs to listen to. And you're keeping me up all night. And so anyways, he just really, uh, him and his wife just kind of really took us under their wing and, um, and was there when the Torah was there, you know, making sure that we were able to, you know, em- embrace that experience, so. His wife was super sweet, and I kept thinking the whole time we were there, she totally reminded me of Gabby. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to read the verse that he said because I think it's important for the entire family because they kind of, they took us under their wing and in a way they, they, they took all of us, but. Isaiah 43:18 through 20 says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider things of the past. Here I am doing a new thing. Now it's springing up. Do you not know about it? I will surely make a way in the desert, rivers in the wasteland. The field animals honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I give waters in the desert, rivers in the wilderness, to give drink to my chosen people. And he kept reminding us, do not do not it's like that love she's talking about he was like encouraging and then like chast like do not remember the things of the past oh so it's like it's like chastisement i said something like it's the best is yet to come i was texting him and he goes the best is happening <laughs> that was awesome i need somebody to like like all the best is yet to come that's an old re- revelation that like used to be up on our sign and I'm still the best is yet to come and he's like the best is happening and I'm like yes 
This is what I mean by I'm hungry. There's people in religion that are like, towards this. And I'm like, give it to me. Correct me. Shift me. I don't want to keep saying the best is yet to come. And he's speaking over me. The best is happening. Can you imagine waking up out of that revelation alone? Will feed me for the next month. I'm not looking for the best to come. It's happening right now. And I have somebody speaking that over me. And he doesn't even know. These people, like I said, they're asking if we like beer. I mean, he's totally like nipping at me and we're teasing each other and he's witty and I'm witty and we're just going at it. Uh, but, but it was the most powerful thing after he gets done praying. He goes, did you guys seriously come here alone? And we're like, well, no, our community sent us. Uh, but yes, we physically came alone. He goes, well, now you now you're, he basically said, you're not guests. Cause I kept saying guests will go first. He's like, nah, they're family. And he goes, and now you got like mom and pops. And I just he remember. He told us to do the dishes after, after we got done barbecue. He's like sinks right over there. Go. He was like, mikase sukasa. And then he was like trash over there. <laughs> I'm like, Hey, but this, but he didn't know our language. They don't necessarily talk like sons and that that's not necessarily something that they do there. And he's like, well, now you got like mom and pops and you got a brother and a sister. And we're just like, it was this powerful moment of, you know, people say you have sisters. Like I, I'm saying this because I want you guys to honor what we have. Because when we say brother and sister, it means something. It's not that, you know, when people go, now you got a brother in the Lord for accountability when you're struggling with hiding. That's not like a brother in the Lord. That's he was saying, and now you have a brother because he was the dad there. I mean, because they're an actual blood family. And it was like this moment of, I have a sister, like this powerful moment of sitting next to her. And she was like, you know, come sit next to me. And she's talking about, and I'm like, yeah, for me, it's like, this is, and you, you guys have this, right? And it's like, and I'm sitting next to her and she says, sister. And I'm like, it's not like in the Lord, sister. It's like, sister. And she's, you know, she had a dream about us the first night. She's talking about him having a tiger under submission. And she's texting me and we're also, you know, sending gifts and it's fun. And it's not like, right? There's just this power in family. So as a family, you sent us and we found family. And we found covenant. And we found, uh, we found a lot more than we thought we were going to find. So... All right, next picture. Sorry, 8.15. No, there's a lot. This is just really quick. You guys don't even know the story. Suka Zadok, uh, our new baby, my little clinger son, who is bringing so much restoration to me, uh, came to me through Semek, which is a Hebrew letter, through the word diamond. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, Yahweh basically said for Mother's Day, you're getting your diamond. There's been some things that have been robbed and stolen out of my inheritance. My diamond has come back. That's why he is a boy, but he's wearing diamonds. Uh, I walk in and she's painting that. That's how we started the weekend. <laughs> Next picture. And I was like, what? And it's black and white. Um, this is what is so powerful about our community and their community because they kept not apologizing, but they kept explaining. They said, now, kids here are free. Uh, if you see a child coming up to you and putting your arms up, pick them up. Because we teach our children that they have full access to us all the time. Now, when I say free, it was not a free for all. They were not running around. I'm telling you, these little kids had pacifiers in their mouth with tallits over their head, just shaking. 
I mean, they just, they understood the holiness and the honor. When I say free, it wasn't a free for all. We, we've been there, right? Church said, sit down. So we're like, no. And then the kids are just running around. This is the balance of they are free. Pick them up. Give them access. Let their, their records, up until the age of seven, these children, Cade, their records are being recorded on. Things that their subconscious is going to be dealing with later. They're recording these things and they want these children to be embraced in the culture and have full access. As a speaker is speaking, they walk right up to them and they're picking them up and kissing them and they're, I mean, they're just... But how powerful is that, that we do that as a family? And they kept talking about that. So this is just a picture of them uh, grabbing one of the um, little girls and they put a tallit on her and they were praying, praying over her. Yeah. Uh, this is one of the worship leaders. And I just wanted to show, um, we're in the middle of worship we're not worried about the next song. She loses it. Uh, they are trading on the floor. We did a leverage trade where they put a tallit out on the floor and we brought our first fruits, but it was a very honoring thing. We came and we bowed and brought our honoring. A leverage trade is where you are basically uh, leveraging for the next generations and you're pleading out to Yahweh for your first fruit for what's to come. It was a very powerful moment. Go ahead and go to the next picture. This is just a culture. She's still losing it. And again, this isn't new, guys. <laughs> Ellen loses it. <laughs> Gabe loses it, right? But I'm doing this because in our family, there are other people out there because I know that we have suffered some cost for people that have chosen to leave because they didn't like that we would do this. They wanted the strumming to be on tune. They didn't want the Logans in the back. That's not order. They didn't want the Gabes to prophesy. They didn't want that. When Ellen freaks out, they didn't want that because it didn't fit their mold. So I'm, I'm showing you this because there are people four hours away that are operating in the exact same thing where they allow that heart to just come and mold and transform them. They are definitely Jews in the sense of we start, I mean, I've had people who, who are our closers. Raise your hands if you're closers. I've had, well, maybe not tonight. I just, any closers. I, you know, the light, time to go. These people don't go. It's Shabbat. And they just go and they go and they go and they go and they go because it's not church. It's, it's power and it's, they're excited. It's that one time a week that they get to set it aside. Nobody's in a rush. There's no agenda. They're there till midnight. They're talking. They're not, they're just, okay. So next picture. So then it keeps going. Next picture. This is her husband. And he grabs a tallit and he wraps it around her and realizes something holy is happening and covers her and begins to hug her and kiss her. That in 25 years, they have not had one divorce. Okay, we're how many years old? Five, six years? We're gonna be that, we're gonna be that community. 
25 years, not one divorce. There was one time, she said there was one time, one man stepped outside of the marriage and she said, and I told him, show up, get a knife and bring a towel. She said she wasn't exaggerating. I don't know what happened. I don't wanna know what happened, but they take covenant serious. <laughs> she just said there was blood and that was that. And I, I don't know about all that, but they are hardcore. <laughs> But this is what I'm talking about. The men were emotional and they were loving and they kissed and they had talits and they were engaged and they sang in Hebrew and they were all in and they would cover. And you guys, when they would do um, communion, the men would come and they would bring the communion and hand it to the wives and they would pray over their whole families and the kids would come together. And it was just, it was just heaven's culture. This is the culture. Okay? And sometimes when people walk into that culture, it is so countercultural to what we've known that you push against it. But this is heaven's culture. It's that community and it's covenant. Next picture. Uh, you're not going to be able to see this, um, but in the middle of worship on Shavuot, <laughs> the whole building leaves. I don't know what the worship team thought. They're singing. We asked Josh later, what were you thinking? He's like, I didn't know what was going on. We all up and left because the rumor started getting out that there was an angel outside. So we all stepped outside. They're still singing. Things are still going. And so we go outside and there was a, a rainbow prism that had been right there. And then next picture. This was everyone that had just kind of left. <laughs> but isn't that our family? I mean, I don't know if we've ever walked out, but I'm sure that there's been times where we've just been like, on, we're not there. Okay, uh, next one. I don't know why. Uh, th that's just a really cute picture. Next one. <laughs> oh, well, the other one, there was a shin. Uh, there was a, a Hebrew letter in the clouds right next to the, uh, right next to it. The crazy thing is, is that there was a testimony that the same thing had shown up in Alabama, which was another meeting with the same type of Kahal, and they were arcing together. So anyways, um, this is the family we were talking about. Um, I'll just come up here. Oh God. Uh, this is Mary, the mom, Andy, who we're calling Avi, and Rachel is his daughter. That's Joshua and their other daughter, Sarah, up there. There were some other people that had come from the barbecue that we had met, but just wanted to show you guys the Garcia family. Yeah. Uh-huh. So Andy and Mary. Does anybody uh, recognize them? Andy or Mary? I guess his bald head was new. so he might The bald head is new. Like he it. used to have hair. All right, next picture. That's Mary. Next picture. And that's Andy. <laughs> Next picture. More graduation pictures. Next one. I was hoping that one of the videos would pop up. Is it? There was just a couple of videos I wanted you guys to see him holding the Torah. Uh, while we are maybe looking for that video, I wanted to just uh, explain this family. When I got emotional, when I said that they were us, 
we found ourselves at a kitchen table. It was not a set aside time during a worship service or during a, uh, you know, a church service. We were in a home, in a kitchen, at a table with a tallit over us, getting prayer for healing and uh, sins were being confessed to one another. We were able to open up about our marriage. We were able to open up about things that we've struggled with. They were able to open up about the things. Let me just say this, pornography was not abnormal at the table and they picked up right where we were, spoke about it, talked about it, talked about covenant. I mean, when I say we found our people, there wasn't anything that we were throwing out there that they were like, and it was, uh, it, it was just powerful to be able to have that, uh, that accountability in that family. And again, happening at a kitchen table. So go ahead and start this. I just want to show you guys, uh, we won't have sound. This is uh, dad holding the, the Torah. I think it's only a few seconds of it. And he uh, walked all the way around and it started to really fall on him when he started walking up towards the front. Um, do we have the other video at all? Okay, the other ones were probably too big. It was just of their worship. The, the picture that I wanted you guys to see with the worship was just how all, think of another culture, um, like when they're dancing in another culture where, I mean, they're just, I don't even know how to describe. I mean, it's like a big fat Greek wedding. Like, you know, you're, yeah, you're doing this and they're coming to, and everyone's in it and they're dancing underneath the thing and just the excitement and the joy. And there are some that are just freely uh, worshiping. There are others that were under Talits and you can just tell that there's just such an individual hunger that came out corporately. And that, uh, that culture was just such a, um, just such a beautiful thing to watch, but not just because they were together, but you could tell that they're family. Because then we encountered it when we're at a barbecue where they're looking at each other and singing at each other. This is a 25 year old community that has been built on covenant, you know, that travels together and, um, you know, go to Israel together and are taught together. And so. And a lot of them said, tell us when to come and we're all coming. They are so. all coming to Flagstaff. And they these like, two women right here told us multiple times, you call us for anything. They're like, you need anything. And they talked about getting a bus over here because it's only four hours away. They're like, and it, Avi's already texting us, what time's your Friday nights? And so definitely excited for you guys to all. And of course, once we got into the culture, we were able to explain our culture and really open up at the barbecue about our family and what we have and how excited we are to be able to move forward with them. And being sent, we told, we totally, we were telling them that we did not, you know, come alone and how sent we were. And it was super powerful. Darla looks right at us and she goes, your community should send you to Israel. And I was like, <laughs> she goes, your lives will be very different because when they go on a tour, you have to understand Dr. Yana lived there. So this isn't like the Christian tour where they go to all the, you know, the, the right places, they're going into the places that are dangerous, they're going, they have the ins, and it's very, very, uh, very different. So, waiting for the green light on that. So thank you guys for sending us and... Experiencing heaven's culture. Confirmation of heaven's culture. Do any of you guys have any quick questions? Because this is kind of like our family night since we are uh, honoring grads next week about any of that. Go ahead, Sally. 
Hebrew. Mm -hmm. Yeah, part of the kahal. Um, Hebrew, they do not say, it was very interesting because they would say, they would make fun of, you know, the, uh, the Messianic Jews, they were talking about that too, because I kept thinking, well, I guess that would be the closest thing, right? And they, so they were identifying as either he, being Hebrew, um, Hebraic, or part of the Kahal. One new man. Mm-hmm. Any other questions? So I'm going to talk about this month that we're in, the month of Savan, right? And I just want to share a few things because I know we don't have a a ton of time. Uh, But this month is the month of Zebulun. And I think you guys mentioned that earlier. Um, But was what is really cool about that tribe is that they knew their identity. They were strong in their identity. And I was talking to one of my kids as I'm looking at their phones and seeing what conversations are and and whatnot. And I was just encouraging uh, one of them in their conversation uh, just about being like knowing who you are. And I was sharing that. So, so this this tribe was a tribe where although they they were one of the ones that went north when different accounts were written like when joseph was um like when they took care of joseph in a bad way right this tribe was not mentioned in that account the tribe that tribe was not a part of those things. And so what I think is cool is I was telling my kids that I I remember growing up being around people, like just friends and kids from school or whatever, that had colorful language. But I was telling my kids that not one time while I was with them did they use that language because I walked in an identity of knowing who I was. And so they, the, they knew that, and they knew that, that they might do it on their own time, but they knew that that was a time or a place where that wasn't what to do. And so I was trying to encourage my kids, like you be that strong in your identity where, where it's, those things might be around you, but you're not associated with them. So I just think that's, that is really strong, especially as mom and dad were talking about where things were pulled from accounts so that we wouldn't be strong in our identity, right? Strategically, so that we would not know who we are and be able to walk in who we have been called to be. So that's a part of this month that we get to be in is a part of the legacy that that tribe carries with it. The other thing that I wanted to share was part of this season was the outlining of the tabernacle, of the temple. And it was ridiculously meticulous, like to a point where, I know I always bring it back here, but I'm gonna just do it, because I always do, is there's a process that I teach with my students in my class. And it's called a four-step process. And I'm extremely meticulous on here's the first step and this is why. 
and here's the next step. And we go through each step of the, this four-step process and it's this huge thing. At the end, they are like, wow, I just did that because they did a ridiculous problem. Like, a, like crazy, right? But there's a process and in Exodus, it's outlined. This is the materials that you need right when you're building a house it's extremely specific on exactly this is the angle this is the measurement i saw at derek and sally's house tyler they're like having a lunch break and tyler's on his laptop like okay what is that measurement like he is meticulously looking to make sure that he's following the the design and so that that is down to Literally, this is the type of wood, the type and the color of material and what it's made of. You guys don't want me to say this, but it talks about the linens and the curtains and how the boards are gonna make, be made and what furniture. I'm trying to get, and what food you're gonna eat. <laughs> I think I'm probably, well, I shouldn't say that. I feel like I'm sometimes the last one to the party and I've been talking to mom about food lately. Um, so anyways, I just think it's crazy how intentional that, that outline is of what the temple is to be, how it's to be made and what it's to be made of. And in, this, in the, the spirit of twos, there is that symbolism of us and we are the temple. And so how is it that we are to be made and to be crafted and to be so intentional in our design? And that is this legacy that we have during this month of things that happened in our past and how we can honor that. So I just wanted to share, apparently I'm kind of in line with some things that maybe are gonna be happening soon. So that's awesome. Um, so, with that, just a little preview, right? We've got a couple more weeks to be diving into this month if you haven't been already. But right now, what I would just invite you to do is to prepare your trading floor. Let's trade into. We, we have the distinguished privilege of a legacy that's been brought forth and we got to reap the benefit tonight, right? Did anybody get something out of even just a story? Part of those traditions were the sharing of the story so that we can take that on and share it. And that is part of the fruit that we have tonight. And so I trade into that. I'm ready to like, can I sign up to take the class? Can I learn? Right? So let's do it. You guys ready? All right, be ready to trade. Come on down, like run. Be the first one to trade. Yeah. If you're on your phone, you can text to give 928-288-4547. We do have envelopes if that's your thing too. Yahweh, we just thank you that you are so intentional in that we don't just come to the cross, that Yeshua was not 
the end, that he was the means to the end. So we go through the cross. And so we just thank you for that. We thank you for what we are able to go through now and where you're taking us. What is the next? What is the next? What is the next? And we trade into that. And we, we believe with expectancy. And we receive all that you have for us, even when it doesn't feel easy and it pushes us to grow. In the name of Yeshua, amen. Amen. That was really good. Did you guys enjoy the uh, what mom and dad shared about what came out of the sending? I felt like that was super powerful. Um, well, oh my gosh, I got wrecked first from the first part. And then the second part wrecked me too in a different way of just having the fruit of the sending. Um, I, I really was moved whenever I was thinking of Dr. Yana, I think you said, was not raised in the church. And I am kind of envious. I'm like, oh my gosh, what would that be like <laughs> to be a brand new like person that just didn't even know anything about church, didn't know anything about religion, but just was able to really know him. I just, I'm shocked by that. And then um, I just wanted to kind of point out some of the things that mom and dad had talked about because when we have the opportunity to send them, it's something so significant on many different levels. But the biggest thing that I know that we had pointed to in the weeks prior to uh, their sending was that uh, everything that we receive from them is not necessarily something they have in their life, okay? They're not poured into. They don't necessarily, or before, <laughs> um, they just didn't have that outlet that would pour out on them the same way that we've experienced from them. A lot of what they've given us has been completely supernatural, completely led by the Spirit, um, has been literally Adonai resting on us as father and mother, um, not from something they personally have known or experienced. And so that was amazing to hear um, them being reconnected to who they are in ways that they didn't even know when dad was talking about that, discovering uh, that in mom, that she was being reconnected to areas she didn't know, that they were accelerated, they got to um, have their mail read. <laughs> you guys, these are feelings that we get, that we like hold and we cherish so much in our life and they rarely get to experience that as those that forerun. And so to hear that they got their mail read, that, um, I was just hearing a lot of a lot of things coming full circle, even in that funny um, expression of how uh, Avi, you know, Andy was like, oh, you could take out the trash. You can do the dishes. I'm like, mom and dad love to serve. Like, oh my gosh. Like I was just seeing like a full circle moment of their literally being able to walk out those expressions of who they are um, completely safe in a new refuge, in a new, you know, community, a new family. And so anyways, when we have these opportunities to send them, um, you know, I just wanted to to be a little bit more um, like maybe I guess direct or uh, or just speak about those things that is providing for mom and dad specifically. 
and, and that is the reason that we send them. That is the reason that was worth anything and everything. So when we're getting like gift cards to Whole Foods or whatever, it, it's literally to send them to connect with that. It's not just a, a gift card. It's not just a meal. It's literally we're connecting them to who Yahweh has for them. And so thank you, mom and dad, for sharing. We really, really love hearing the testimony of what you guys gained. And um, that brings relief to our hearts. So live, we wanna dismiss you, have a good week. We appreciate you guys tuning in. We appreciate those of you that have sewed into um, Kingdom Heirs and have sewed into Mom and Dad Sending. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to this message from Kingdom Heirs International. If you have received insight and revelation with this message, we invite you to claim that revelation by trading on the trading floor with this ministry. You can do that at kingdomairsflag.org. Thank you.